Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather Charlie Chaplin and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Hello and welcome to the Niler Nine podcast. This is episode two hundred and thirty of the Niler Nine podcast. On this episode, we are going to be talking about the fandom around Taylor Swift, which is something that I find so fascinating. Particularly the massive surge in popularity in the last three or four years. Taylor has become big business. She is the biggest artist in the world. A few years ago, Taylor couldn't sell out two dates in Croke Park in twenty eighteen on her Reputations tour, but her current Ears tour. As we discussed before on the podcast, uh, Crash Ticketmaster and has seen a huge unprecedented demand. Why have people flocked in greater numbers to Taylor Swift ever than before? So with three dumb gigs at the Aviva next summer and the Taylor Swift Ears tour film doing big numbers at the box office at the moment, it felt like the right time to find out more. Andrea is absent this week, um, so I thought in her absence I'd uh, delve into the lore and fandom of the Swifties through the lens of a community which gathers around Taylor once a month. You may have heard about Swiftageddon, which is a club night that plays Taylor Swift songs all night. Swiftageddon was started by Dave Faubert, a DJ and former journalist who put on his first Swiftageddon in London in 2019. And since then, it has grown to a national UK and monthly thing, a constant tour dates, and in the last two years, a nationwide Irish event too. Now, Anna Jacob is a resident DJ at the Irish Swift Again Club Nights and a pal of mine. And I've been fascinated with the success of this Swift Again night as Swifties gather en masse to sold out venues in Dublin, Cork, Belfast, Galway and Limerick along with a rake of UK cities to sing their hearts out to Swift classics, new songs, new versions and deep cuts. So let's chat to Anna Jacob about Taylor Swift, fandom, the Swifties and Swift again. So let's set the scene and hear a little bit of what it sounds like when a few hundred fans are singing along to their favourite artist, Taylor Swift. Yeah, so I thought it'd be nice to talk to you about 
Taylor Swift and, and Swift again and all the things associated with it because it's not it's not simply a case of of uh, you know a fan of one artist. I think we've seen fandom kind of grow in a different way over the last ten or fifteen years. A more intense um, kind of experience for people, but I think the Swiftydom, the the Swifties are um, are something else entirely. There's something going on in in that lore that is really interesting to I think people who aren't even in it or people who are in it but I mean obviously it's a huge community from your perspective like I mean so you've been DJing at the Swift to get a night now for how long yeah nearly two years now uh the first one was uh January 2022 and yeah kind of when I got the gig I thought like oh this will be a fun sort of one-off um and it just has exploded uh I don't think we could have ever predicted how massive it was going to be. Um, I think next month I'm doing my 40th Swift again. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's not just, it happens around the country now and you sell out every venue pretty much you're in. Uh, much, it happens yeah. in the Grand Social in Dublin. You Dolan's yeah. in Limerick, Empire yeah. Music Hall in Belfast, is it? Yeah. Um, uh, Cork, where do you do it? Uh, Cypress Avenue. Cypress Avenue, of course. Great spot. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> and it's just like it's always full it's always busy yeah. and there's no trail off here and you've been in it for this long so oh, from yeah. from your so when you took on that role as a dj for like a taylor swift night like how much of a fan were you oh, i was worried you were gonna ask me this <laughs> <laughs> um i was a fan was by no means a, a full-blown swifty i think Honestly, like the first three albums were just totally passed me by. Um, Red was the first album where I kind of, I just loved the singles, but I didn't really like go and listen to the full album. But I was like, oh, she's she's great fun. I like Taylor Swift. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I think 1989 was the first album I probably actually listened to start to finish. But then it was when Folklore came out. Um, in 2020 that was like probably my my biggest pandemic album i just had it on repeat that was the first album that i i really fell in love with and was like okay yeah she's she's something special so yeah so you came to do your your swift again your first swift again what what surprised you about it i mean you were a fan but like then you turn up and all of these other people are there and uh what i've seen from the videos is they're absolutely belting out every song yeah just it's it's just such a, a lovely crowd, I think, is the main thing. Uh, it, you know, she's she's one of these artists where the fans aren't just like a bunch of people who love her music. It's a community and it's like, you know, there is like a sort of a, a spiritual <laughs> element to it. I, li- I like to sort of, I don't know, think of artists as being sort of like little mini cult leaders, you know, even on social media, you have followers, you're not fans anymore. And I think when you get to Taylor Swift level, it's like organized religion and she's God. And uh, Dave, who's the founder of Swiftageddon, he's like the Pope and I'm like a cardinal. <laughs> <laughs> but I think uh, there was a, a great article in the Irish Times about the, the Swiftageddon in, in Dublin. They came along and they interviewed a, a few people in the crowd and one of them really went deep on the sort of like religious comparisons, which I thought was great. I think I have it here. 
Yeah, she said, like, people go to mass every Sunday, quote the Bible. We just quote Taylor Swift to each other. Outside of religion or work, it's really hard to find a community like that. Yeah, it's just, that's right. kind of the, that's the thing that keeps coming up. People are like, oh, it's like church. It's like religious experience. It's spiritual. It's like uplifting and it's about community and, you know, everyone's there together. You know, I've seen like strangers just like holding each other. Yeah. You know, it's, it's wow. Really so it's like, it really is like replacing religion then. And it is replacing like, like, I mean, that's what we lost, obviously, when people, Irish people especially, stopped going to mass. <laughs> when yeah. like communities uh, didn't really, I mean, this is, that's what Taylor Swift is now. She's, uh, she's replacing that. She's giving people the, the place in which to gather um, at Swift yeah. again every month. That's it. And I think like after the pandemic, people were so desperate for that. And, and this was just kind of the the perfect version of it for anyone who is a fan of hers. Um, because, yeah, you're in a room just full of people who feel the same way that you feel about this this thing. Um, this, the, the Bible, the, the 10 albums that are her Bible. Um, yeah, it's great. I mean, I'm sure you could write a whole PhD on how, you know, fandom is the religion yeah. of the 21st century or whatever. But yeah. Well, I mean, I'm interested in this because, like, Taylor has exploded in the last few years, like, worldwide, but, and, and here especially as well. I mean, she played in Croke Park before, um, what, four or five? What, when was that? 2018, I believe. And, like, oh, yeah, it didn't sell out. No. And it was the second gig was, was, wasn't a sellout. And so, so what has changed that it's gone from not being able to sell out two Croke Park gigs to, like, these insane demand for the Aviva, do you think? I've never really been one to go to those kind of massive gigs because they're so expensive and I always feel like <sighs> musically they're never that satisfying because like stadiums are just so sort of echoey and um, it, yeah, I, I, I don't normally buy those tickets so I, I, wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have been that kind of fan at, at that time. I know quite a few people who got free tickets to that. that gig well, that's what I'm saying. Part. Like that was yeah. what happened. But now you can't not get a ticket if you nope. <laughs> tried hard. So why? No, what, what's what's happened? What's changed? I don't know. I'm sure there's a there's an element of the pandemic making people sort of feel like you know I was desperately trying to get tickets, you know, and have been for other gigs like that for the first time in my life. I think, and I think there is a you know a certain amount of us kind of going well. We might we might not get this chance again. There might be another two years where we can't go to any gigs. So let's go to all the gigs. Um, but I think as well, like on top of the Swifties, there's just so much hype. And I think the, uh, I mean, things always turn. But um, and you know, the, the the music press loves to turn on on women when they get too big for their boots. But like, I think at the moment she is riding a wave of, of like lots of people finally copping on to how brilliant she is and going, oh yeah, she is brilliant, you know. So I think a lot of people who wouldn't necessarily have been in, in Swiftland before are now kind of going, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'd, I'd be up for that. I'd go to that concert kind of thing, mm. you know. I know a few people who are going who aren't like mega fans. I'm a bit like, oh. <laughs> 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 give me those tickets. Yeah. Um I think that's interesting as well. I was listening to a podcast during the week that was saying um, one of the reasons why Taylor Swift is is more popular than she ever was is because um, like radio isn't as popular as it was, therefore less reliant on the big hits that she had at the time. So like back, what, seven, eight years ago, whatever it was, 
um, the snake era, whatever you want to call it, you know what I mean? Reputation era. Like it's, it's kind of, uh, the songs are maybe connecting more with people or they're more direct, they're lyrically more nuanced and, and, but they're written large. They're like large songs. Like, I mean, she did so much during the, the pandemic as well. Um, and maybe there's an element of that. It like, she was trying to court a big pop audience back then. And now she just has an audience and she's made it bigger. Totally. I think she's she's stopped caring too much about having those three singles on an album, you know, that kind of thing. She's uh which which is our win, really, you know, like folklore and evermore. I think are just two incredible albums that don't have very obvious um singles on them. And I think something really interesting that uh has come out of DJing at Taylor Swift Nights is, um, you know, a lot of the songs that wouldn't have been my faves on Folklore Evermore are huge on, you know, at Swift Again. I don't know. It's kind of, it's like there are your personal faves and then there are like consensus faves. Yeah. And, and, and it's from being in a room with everyone, like screaming the lyrics to songs that I was a bit sort of like meh about that has kind of brought me around and gone like, oh no, that, that is a, that is a great song. I can't believe I hadn't realized what a great song that was. Um, yeah, which is really interesting. It kind of, it makes you listen to every song, you know, in a new, in a new way. And just going back to your point on, uh, you know, the, the, the massiveness of the era's tour, I think another thing is that Swifties keep coming of age. I think this is hopefully something that will keep Swift again going for a long time. Um, and we're, we're I'm doing my first under 18s uh, show oh, at the nice. end of this month. Um, and I was at the the movie at the weekend and there were loads of young kids there, like nine, 10 year old girls, um, which is wonderful. But I, I think you grow into Taylor Swift, but I don't think you grow out of her. So, <laughs> you know, I do think her fan base will keep growing yeah. um, in terms of, you know, babies keep being born. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so like, what do you think, what is the demographic of the Swiftigan Nights then, really? Um. So, yeah, I, I'd say probably 75 to 80% women in their 20s, early 20s, I'd say. There is like a strong sort of 30-something contingent, but I know, you know, you get to an age where you, you need a babysitter to have a night out. So <laughs> I'm sure that sort of hampers that demographic a little bit. Of course, yeah, lots of people from the yeah, LGBTQ plus community. And I know she got, I don't, I don't know, I remember reading a really snarky article about um, the video for You Need to Calm Down, which is, you know, I guess would be her sort of gay anthem, um, you know, being like, oh, she's sort of, I don't know, trying to be this like LGBTQ hero, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, I, ha- I hate that kind of um, commentary. Like like when you're in a room with like 500 Swifties, like screaming, Shade never made anybody less gay. You're like, no, this is this is only a good thing. Like, yeah, screw anyone who's going to tell us she can't write a big gay anthem. Like the world, the world needs this and and we all love it um so yeah and then there are straight men as well (laughs) um and there's a a healthy contingent of like partners and boyfriends who i think are often like 
sort of reluctant in the beginning and then by the end of the night they are like having the time of their lives and and like men have said to me like this is just like the nicest space I've been in in a sort of nightclub situation you know everyone is like so kind and respectful and um yeah it's just a great vibe last weekend um I played a show in Belfast where we had a joint stag and hen um and they were the, the best gang ever you know diehard Swifties knew every song dancing to everything they were they were absolutely great so yeah and I think it's it's kind of it the net is is getting wider as well like I I think I am seeing seeing more more men in the crowd and sort of yeah a bigger range of ages and um, I read a piece in the New York Times this week by Taffy Brodesser Ackner mm-hmm. called My Delirious Trips to the Heart of Sweeping Dumb and I really enjoyed it's, it a lot such it's, a group good piece of writing i cried yeah. the whole way through it i was on the train just like oh, <laughs> i can't wait to see this concert so there yeah i want to get into a bit of that because i mean that's obviously to come the big thing is that like you know the the gigs are coming next summer but obviously there's the concert film as well which is doing like stupidly big numbers around the world uh, at the moment it's currently 100 million uh in the u.s uh top grossing concert film of all time in north america and nice. second biggest October opening of all time, doing really well here, of course, as well. Highest grossing cinema event, event cinema release in the UK and Ireland. So it's just that like absolute, like people are absolutely gagging for this. And it is that. But I think the the, the New York Times piece, the Taffy uh, Brodesker Ackner piece says, talks about how Taylor Swift has gone kind of beyond the traditional interview cycle, like the big megastars that she's in control um, and that's what this journalist has been thinking about she like she hasn't done a traditional magazine profile since 2019 she announced this tour in Good Morning America and her own social media accounts uh, she released two pandemic albums Folklore and Evermore but dropped them into a world with a day's notice um, and pretty much has done needed no intermediary to explain it to her audience and I think for people like myself who well not a strict uh, you know uh music critic in the traditional sense of like um like at times or or a, a broadsheet newspaper but like i think a lot of people in that world feel a bit threatened when this kind of stuff kind of passes them by when they're the middleman is taken out and like <laughs> an artist like that was just talking to her fans like she obviously doesn't need to talk to people to promote herself um and she doesn't need to but she's uh created this kind of content machine around her that like is now poured over by like Swifties, like in terms of like se- secret codes or, or messages and all this kind of stuff, the cryptic stuff, which is just really like really interesting as well. Cause like I know that's what fandom is now. Fandom is like, oh, reading things into something that may not be there or not. That's fun. I get it. Mm. I get it. But like, do you like, can you figure out like what is it about Taylor Swift that makes people go crazy for it now? <laughs> See, I, I haven't quite gone fully down that rabbit hole of that's good that's probably codes and good for your health numerology and yeah i mean it goes deep like i'm very entertained by it i love hearing about it from other people but I, i'm never gonna be on the the reddit threads or the tumblr blogs that, um I'm, I'm too old for that now but um yeah i think i do so i have have some theories about like what makes her you know why why is it that it's that it's taylor swift that is like the defining artist of our times <laughs> um and 
yeah, like weirdly, this is kind of what my dissertation was about. <laughs> so I had my undergrad is in popular mm. music and I wrote about um, the talent programs and the X Factor and the Spice Girls and like, what is that like yeah. magic ingredient that just sort of makes an artist like completely take off? Um, but also uh, with like longevity and, and credibility as well. Um, and I think the, the, the person I like comparing Taylor with, um, and there's like a bit of facetiousness to this, but also I kind of haven't found a, a, as good a contemporary comparison is Mozart. Um, so I think she's the Mozart of our time. <laughs> we need, we need Andrea Cleary here. Sorry. <laughs> Dissertations and, and Mozart. I, I, I yeah. <laughs> sorry go on yeah we'll have to we'll have to do like a part two uh with andrea but yeah so just in terms of like they're both sort of child prodigies you know both touring um and playing from writing music from a, a super early age um both really supported by their families like i don't know about you but like when i was 14 if i'd have been like right i'm gonna be a singer, a songwriter, I want to be a superstar. I don't think my parents would have relocated to Nashville. Yeah. I don't know about yours. <laughs> no. But, you know, I do think it takes a real special, supportive American set of parents to have that kind of like, belief in their child. Yeah. And it's incredible. And, like, I'm a little bit obsessed with her mom. She's just, just, and well, her whole family really, like, for any Swifties listening, like Marjorie, a song about her, her grandma is, like... Oh, just just one of the most moving songs I think I've, I've ever heard. Um, but like that's that's a, a real special thing about her. And, you know, they still are on tour with her. And, um, and you know, her, her brother is like, I think he runs all her sort of, uh, I think he produces her music videos. He has like some big role in her sort of right. business. Um, and yeah, I think the fact that she's a real hard worker you know, she the, there's a lyric that's, uh, you know, um, I've never been a natural or all I do is try, try, try. Uh, you know, she's said herself that she's, you know, she's worked really hard. And then like we've seen her sort of uh, struggle vocally over the years. Um, and, you know, she's she's spoken about that. And and like she's definitely at a place now where she's really at the top of her game. Like her performance is absolutely flawless. And yeah, and it has come from like a major amount of of graft. If there was like an an X factor, like a like one thing that makes Taylor sort of really stand out from from her generation of, of pop stars, is that I think she is like a dorky nerd at heart, which yeah. you can't really say about a lot of female pop stars. And I think because we've been we've been with her since like her teen years you know we've we've heard all the songs about her being at school you know high school romances and stuff I think consciously or subconsciously like all of us have you know just maybe had a little daydream about what it would have been like to be in the same class at school as Taylor Swift and I think we the fans all suspect that we'd be best pals and you know and she's got like a a sort of Hermione Grangerness being a nerd and you know that she was really trying with her her homework and stuff and that you know she was showing up whereas you know maybe some of her contemporaries we suspect they'd have been around the back of the bike sheds and you know would have been the cool kids who wouldn't have 
looked at you twice kind of thing. But yeah, she just exudes like a warmth and friendliness and, you know, a dorky nerdiness that is just really lovable. And this is coming from a a dorky nerd. Um, (laughs) And I think Swifty Eden is full of dorky nerds who just, yeah, want to make friendship bracelets for each other. And uh, Like, do you think we really know who Taylor Swift is? It doesn't matter that we know, like... (laughs) I do, Niall. I mean, but do you, or is it like, I mean, everyone talks about like, is she really calculated or is it like a case of that, you know, um, she's just another pop star avatar that's created this other um, thing that people latch on to. Not there's anything wrong with that, but like, do you really know who she is or do we, do we actually, like, do we? That's why, is that why they pour over, people pour over lyrics uh, all the time to try and figure out what's going on with her personal life? Is that it? Like, it's all this. I mean, I think I'd say you have to be calculated to a certain extent to be a, a pop star you know she's like obviously very smart from a, a, in a yeah. business way um yeah i don't know like th- i mean if if you have sort of ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Dived into her songs in the way that I have, you know, you really do get a sense that she, you know, she's very vulnerable and, and you do get a sense that she's, she's really let you into every little part of her, her life and her her diary and her heartbreaks and, 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 you know, and it, and it's just very fun that, you know, she's managed to retain that, like, oh, you know, I've never actually named any of these men that I'm writing about but we know yeah. they are like we've put the clues together it's like it's very fun I don't envy her like it must be really hard to be that famous um and she's written about that plenty yeah I mean I think you give up a lot to to reach that level of of, of fame yeah. and and but you know I do think her personality has always shone through and I don't know I've never met her I know I don't I don't know if I even want to particularly yeah but, um I guess that's the other thing the other aspect of it is like the kind of she is quite big business um uh, you know she's been described as a a, a capitalist uh, like a big pop capitalist before you know mm-hmm. the endless versions of uh obviously the versions are a different thing because that's her taking back ownership of her uh cat back catalog because of Scooter Braun but the kind of many limited edition versions of albums have been criticized before because there's so many of them and you know the the cost of tickets and all that kind of stuff it does put a, it can put a lot of pressure on like families who are you know um hosting a, a swifty who are like maybe a little bit underage or or younger <laughs> and they're like well i have to get all this stuff and like you know that does create its own different uh problem as well around fandom ah uh, yeah but you could say that about football you know if you're a Manchester, if your kid is a Manchester United fan you're having to spend probably more on match tickets and like True. football yeah. kits that change every season like ugh, I don't know that's just we live in a capitalist society you just gotta 
<laughs> deal with that stuff. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I mean, I would, I would absolutely love it if she did a tour after this one where she was like, the tickets are free. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, if you bought my last album, then you just get a ticket automatically or, yeah. you know, something like that. But, you know, she's been giving to, to food banks and all the cities she's played in. Like she does... She does give to charity and she, you know, she is, she is known for that. She never goes on about it, which is, which is great. Uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I mean, we expect her to be perfect and it's just unrealistic. No, but I think I, it's just. She's doing okay. <laughs> it is. I mean, I understand that the, the new show is, you know, probably, probably the most ambitious thing she's ever done. So therefore you can't really yeah. put them on for cheap. And then a lot mm. of what. You know, the what the uh, big artists are doing now is uh, having a tier of, of tickets that are cheaper, but I've definitely seen, like, it's not necessarily her fault and she can't keep her eye on everything, but, like, course, promoters yeah. selling uh, high-value tickets for uh, very limited views, the kind of stuff I've seen on TikTok around this and, like, people who are just really disappointed and stuff like that. That's mm. not something you could really put the blame on her but i mean obviously the the Ticketmaster stuff last year was so so interesting because only an artist as big as taylor swift could really change make a change on those things and it'll be interesting if any does change of it and um, mm. i wouldn't be too uh sure that it would but um it certainly means that she is the kind of artist that can take uh, make change happen as well if she wants so i think yeah uh instigating those kind of cheaper tickets is something that could uh, be done for sure. Um, just back to this um, New York profile. I'm just going to read about a bit of it because I just really enjoyed it so much. Yeah, it was, it was um, so good. Uh, there's a quote here that says, uh, when she's talking to people at the gig, she says, the era, uh, someone says, uh, the era isn't the album you like, it's the one you are. Uh, the organizing <laughs> principle of the Eras Tour is that it is a celebration of Taylor Swift's own eras, how at 33, she has always cycled, already cycled through so many periods of identity on her public journey from girl to woman. You could watch this concert, you could watch this entire phenomenon through the eyes of the idea that Taylor Swift frees women to celebrate their girlhood, to understand that their womanhood is made up of these micro chapters of change, that we're not different people than we are were then that we shouldn't disavow the earlier versions of ourselves, our earlier eras. I mean, that is could be considered like marketing speak, but it's not. It's, it's like it's it's a nice idea, I think, and it's something that you can kind of latch onto and it makes sense with the the show she's doing. Yeah, absolutely. I actually I copy and pasted that exact same quote <laughs> into my notes here. because uh, I thought it was so good and just just wrapped up what's what's great about her so um neatly in terms of like the the wave of feminism that we're in at the moment obviously we're taking one step forward and two steps back a lot of the time um but i think a big sea change that i've noticed culturally in the last two years which you've already referred to in in terms of fandom is just like you know as a as a young woman and uh you know i've spoken to several friends who have the same sort of experience you know you love stuff so much when you're like in your teens and then you're taught to feel ashamed about loving those things um whether it's taylor swift or you know rom-coms or uh, i don't know um so many aspects of culture like if i can give one plug is to the the sentimental garbage podcast which i think has done an amazing job of um yeah, sort of re-examining those things that women have, have been made to feel yeah. ashamed for loving. Um, 
over the last few years. But yeah, I think just something snapped a couple of years ago. And it's like, women just went, fuck you. I love this thing and I won't be made to feel ashamed about it anymore. And I'm going to double down. (laughs) I'm going to like wear those friendship bracelets up to my armpits. I'm going to book those tickets to the Eras tour and like, and, and yeah, I've just, I've noticed it massively in myself. Like I've stopped kind of apologizing for, you know, I, I, a couple of years ago, I would have been like, oh yeah, I love Taylor Swift, but you know, like, you know, know, I would have been a bit like, you know, cheesy stuff, whatever. Whereas now I'm, I just have no time for anyone who's going to, you know, if someone's like, oh, she's corrupt though. I'm like, ah, come on, granddad. Like nobody cares what you, <laughs> what you think. Um, yeah. And I think the key part of that is the fact that she has never felt that shame. Like, obviously I'm sure, I'm sure she has felt shame about things, but like the way that she Mm. writes and the way that she is now sort of looking back over her career in those different eras and like celebrating all of those little moments of her girlhood and, you know, heartbreak in her teen years and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's just like, but yeah, like she, she's just the the queen of, of that thing of us going. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like unbridled, um, that's the unbridled excitement voice. and yes. uh, uh, unashamed um, excitement. Really, it's that kind of like I love this, and that's fine, and I love it. Yeah, and loads of other people love it too. Proud. So of it. yeah, I think like because like, the Swift Again has done so well. I've seen I've seen a few other like not very big ones, but like attempts at like doing other artist nights like i've seen a harry styles one and stuff like that mm. but i imagine based off of like what we're saying here and what we know about like the community around taylor swift is is it's it's partly the music it's partly her 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 as a person it's partly the um symbiology and all the the fun fun stuff that happens around like decoding what what she mm. her intentions are and stuff like that as well. But like when it comes to Swift again, like what else do you you see on your nights? Like uh, being you, you talked about some of those songs being the ones that are uh, you know surprising uh, big hits in in a way. But like in terms of interactions and like how people are are like interacting with those songs. Yeah, so I did shout out on Instagram to like ask the Swifties what it is they love about Swift again to see. Yeah see what they would say because obviously i've never got to actually go to one i'm always stuck on the stage you're just the cardinal (laughs) i'm just the cardinal um i never get to to praise um so so yeah so um the commitment someone has said which is great i mean occasionally you'll see someone who comes in who's maybe come with a friend or like now and then there's a hen party where you can tell that like the hen and maybe the the maid of honor are huge swifties and the rest of them are mm. just like there for the ride and that's always a little bit awkward yeah like by the end of the night everyone is just nobody cares what they look like anymore they're just like screaming the lyrics in each, other, each other's faces there's no sort of being cool and swift again doesn't exist yeah someone said it's, it feels like a place i can be myself without any judgment it's wholesome, no creepy men, someone said, which is a good one. Yeah. In fact, like a couple of venues have said to me after the nights, they're like, oh, the, the crowd is just so lovely. I like, how can we get this crowd in more often? And I'm like, <laughs> just alienate straight men. <laughs> yeah. 
no offense. Um, <laughs> but it is like the straight men who are there are the best, the best straight men. Um, but they, they, I think they really appreciate it as well. I think everyone, you know, it's like the few times I've brought boyfriends to, to gay bars, which I know you're not really supposed to do, but you know, they'll always comment like, oh my God, this atmosphere is just so lovely. Like people are being nice to each other and they're chatty and you know you never feel like you're gonna get groped like which is wonderful those spaces yeah. are, are really important and yeah this is a really nice one my, my friend camelia actually uh said uh it's the club version of what you do while getting ready in your room which i think is kind of nails it because it's it's like it's like no one's watching you it's like you're in your bedroom just like, yeah singing your heart out with your best pals except there are 500 of you or you know 3,000 of you if you're well funny what you're saying there is uh something that i'm going to read out from that new york uh times piece as well um there's a husband sitting close to her and one of them (laughs) says there's not a lot of sex in this show Uh, (laughs) uh they had switched seats and he was bored by the speak now era and she says that's because it isn't for you i told him and i found myself Mm -hmm. getting angry as i spoke she wasn't created to please you like the other women pop stars she created herself to please me she escaped the machine where women are only allowed to be pop stars if they don't anger or threaten men just this just isn't for you. That's what this entire concert reminded me of. Time I spent in my own teenage bedroom singing songs and pinballing between sexy stripper moves and goofy square dancing. Maybe that's what ears really is. The acknowledgement of girls as people to memorialize or of who we are and who we were all existing in the same body on the same timeline. You are the sluttiest version, your silliest version, your most wholesome, your smartest, your dumb, your saddest, your happiest all at once. Yeah. Again, that's that's one of the the quotes I copied. It's like it's it's so perfect. I think there it, it's it's her being a dorky nerd again. You know, even yeah. when she's like got a little sexy moment, she'll like stick her tongue out and like she, you know she's never taking herself too seriously. And we love that about her. Great. Um, yeah. So tell me when 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 she releases new music, is it like "Man from Heaven" for you? You're like, oh great, get to play more stuff. <laughs> no, if anything. It's gets harder. starting to scare me because uh, like most of our nights are about four hours, give or take. Yeah. Um, between three and a half to four and a half hours. And I run out of time every time. Every time someone will come up to me and be like, oh, you didn't play this song. You didn't play that song. I'm like, I tried. <laughs> just have a cut yeah. off point. Um, so but yeah, what you do as well is you have a second room with requests only. I think only Louise in often does that. Yeah. Yes. Alu Brew, one of my bishops, um, <laughs> and my friend Emmett as well. They're on rotation down there. Yes, yeah, so that's kind of perfect to have the second room for requests only because there, there is stuff that you can't really get away with in the main set. Like you can get away with anything sort of early on, but um, like there's one anecdote uh, where it was a bit of a, a strange one because there was this this like I mentioned the occasional hen party where there's just a couple of them who aren't really as swifty as the others and the vibe was just a little bit off uh, and they were right at the front so kind of right in my eyeline um there was this other gang who like just kept requesting champagne problems which is a very slow piano song if you don't know it and i was like uh it's it's very slow but i do love that song and i i try to play as many requests as i possibly can 
Belfast last weekend, I had 35 requests and I played 29 of them. So oh, wow. okay. <laughs> just, for, you know, this is an example. Um, but yeah, so I dropped champagne tro- problems. One of the members of this hen party gave me the finger. <laughs> she just like turned around with both hands, just turned around. Yeah. Double finger. And yeah, she looked so pissed off and then just sort of like, you know, was in a huff for the, the next three minutes while the rest of the room was like delighted. Yeah. It's a great song and it has like... Some, like it's a real good sing-along kind of song. It's got some really powerful lyrics. Was she 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 just didn't like the song, or because it was a slow one? Just like, yeah, it was a slow one. This is the thing you've got. It's, it, you just constantly got to choose between like making one person happy by playing their request and like keeping the whole room happy. And it's, yeah. a, it's a tough balance. Like you'd think it would be a very easy job. No, a DJ I mean actually have. DJing isn't an easy job. But, no, it's but not. DJing <laughs> one artist uh, all night is a whole different ballgame because you know you do have to keep and they are all invested and they yeah. all know it. But like what what about that question of like uh making sure like you have do you do a slow set or do you just like yes. move it around or what do you usually do? <sighs> Well, that's it. Like I, I found that, you know, like, like any DJ set you want to build, um, to a certain extent, but then there are sort of, there's like building in terms of stuff that's, you can really dance to, and that's a real bop and then stuff that people are going to want to scream in each other's faces that might be sort of more slow and emotional, uh, like all too well, 10 minute version, uh, or enchanted or something like that. And then there are, I'd, I'd say about like five or six songs that I have as the last song sort of on rotation that, you know, yeah. you've got to, you got to finish it on the right note. <laughs> Should be something that's like not too depressing, but definitely sort of, I like to let people leave in like a calm sort of <laughs> manner. I don't want to let them like, you know, leaving being too overexcited. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm I'm kind of if she releases another full length album next year, we're just gonna have to make the nights longer. Yeah, you just gonna have to do an all day. Or um, yes, somewhere. I I would love to do an all day. It'd be great fun. I know they they do one in London that's seven hours. Uh, oh, right. okay. Between the bridges, yeah, which I would love to go to. But even that, I think I I was updating my USBs the other day, and I think I have sixteen hours of music on there. Yeah, I mean. And You're I never, never play the same set twice. You know, I, I can't rest on my laurels. And, and you know, often when she re- like re- does a new re-release or releases a new album, I'll play like a, you know, like I did a bunch of sort of Speak Now heavy sets after Speak Now was re-released. And, you know, after yeah. okay. the end of this month, I'll be doing like a big 1989 period. You know, I try and sort of like follow the feeling in yeah. swift land but yeah you're never going to make everyone happy but like a lot of them do come to every single swift again like i do see the same faces and i've gotten to know the regulars so i i always say like if i didn't play your request tonight i promise i'll play it next time just let me know at the start yeah. of the set <laughs> or dm me beforehand Fair. don't wait until 10 minutes before the end and be like oh can you play like yeah, back to december course. or something like real slow and yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay great you think your next ones are november is that right yeah i'm back in dublin in november when we will have november 11th Taylor's in the grand version. social yes dome's limerick november 10th and november 16th the empire yeah. music hall in belfast and you did mention you have a playlist of uh for people who may be skeptical <laughs> uh, who yes. are interested maybe maybe you're uh, <laughs> swift curious 
Swifty curious. Swifty curious, yeah. I mean, it, I have converted um, a few people who work in the venues um, that I play in regularly. Like I have had, you know, maybe lighting people or sound people come up to me afterwards and be like, oh, now I've done, you know, four of these. I actually, I've, I've been listening to her at home and, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm a fan. I, this is my favorite song, you know. Yeah, it's never too late to to become a Swifty, to get into your Swifty era. So yeah, I have a playlist that's like uh, Swift for the Skeptics, um, which is, yeah, songs that you probably wouldn't have heard that wouldn't have been singles, but that I think are especially brilliant and that would be sort of, yeah, more of the, the fan faves and yeah, her real like gems of storytelling and songwriting. Okay, yeah. great. Um, well, we'll maybe share that with the Patreon listeners as well. If you want to uh, listen to that, yeah. let us know. I'll put it up on Patreon. Uh, Anna, thanks so much. And thanks. Uh, enjoy your, uh, I mean, your, your continuing uh, Swift Again uh, DJ experiences, which uh, sound, you know, always watching the videos that you put up. They're just gas. And uh, there are so much fun because, like, clearly it's uh, it, it comes across how much of a, like safe space it is for the people that are going there and how much uh, fun people are having and saying so think that's something to be celebrated for sure and uh, long may it continue thank you so much for having me it's, cool. it's been really nice what's your what's your current favorite uh Taylor Swift song oh the song that i would have played at my funeral is uh the last great american dynasty i think it's her best kind of storytelling and uh yeah I, it's right. this, it, there's a, a lyric i'm not going to tell you what it is but there's a lyric that i've promised myself i will have tattooed on me somewhere if i get to 100 swift gems <laughs> which at this rate will happen sometime next year so okay <laughs> I'll let you know. all right anna jacob thanks so much <laughs> thanks so talk much to you later me. bye Special thanks to Anna Jacob for coming on and talking about Taylor Swift and Swift Again and the fandom around it. I think it's so fascinating and uh, very illuminating. And if you want to hear that playlist she mentioned, actually, as well, I will share that on patreon.com forward slash nine or nine. That is our way of showing a bit of extra thanks for with bonus content and playlists and and discord access where a community of like-minded people are chatting about music and gigs and things that are happening and doing meetups and stuff as well so definitely a, a great place if you're looking for a bit of community maybe not a taylor swift community but it is a community around um, the music that we feature mostly on nine or nine but uh, yeah very very fascinating that's anna jacob if you want more from anna jacob and see what she's up to you can find her on instagram at anna dj etc etc as well as being a dj for swift again she is a, a dj as part of a cabaret and uh a music project called LOL as well. So uh, you can check her out on Instagram.com forward slash Anna DJ ETC and uh, Patreon.com forward slash 909 if you want access to her 
playlist uh, for Swifty Skeptics. So it has got 37 songs on it. That's it from us uh, this week. Uh, Andrea will be back with myself next week for uh, more podcast content. In the meantime, 909.com for all your music news and artist needs. And thank you to everyone for listening to our most recent four TED episodes as well. Really appreciate that. If you're around Dublin town this Saturday night, it is the eighth birthday of Lumo Club. Maybe you haven't been down in a while. Maybe you've never been. Maybe you're a regular. Uh, it would be great to see you. Uh, Lumo is on in Tengu. We play music that is for dancing. So it's uh, disco, edits, Italo, electronic, pop music, 80s, 80s pop 90s dance, a bit of everything. Good tunes are the vibe. So uh, lumoclub.eventbrite.com. All the stuff the Patreon subscribers get uh, free tickets to Lumo every month as well. So that's another reason to sign up. But that is it from us. We will talk to you next week. Bye. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>